Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. There is no better group of plots for flower power than forms of the shrubby potentilla. Producing single rows like flowers continually from June to the first frost. Hello, I'm Peter Seabrook, here to help with some of your gardening quandaries. Our sponsor this week is Sutton's of Torquay. Not much done in the garden uh, last weekend, I'm afraid. Uh, Saturday was pretty drizzly, but I did uh, spend several hours cutting up several oranges, and so now I have a nice batch of uh, fresh-made marmalade for my breakfast. I welcome that. Uh, and then off to Bristol for the Garden Centre Association annual conference. And the subject there, I'm afraid, was very much uh, on carbon footprints, environment-friendly approaches, sustainability, uh, and all that kind of thing. The Garden Centre people are really very much aware and doing all kinds of things in that direction, trying to go uh, zero waste and zero carbon. Actually, it's quite easy for people uh, who don't grow plants to back the anti-peat campaign. Uh, And I was glad just for a few minutes at that conference to just put the other point of view a little bit. You never hear from uh, the environmental advocates that in Finland, peat is uh, considered as a crop rather like uh, forestry and agriculture. And if you control the water levels correctly after bogs, uh, particularly raised bogs, have been cut away, then the sphagnum moss grows much quicker than we've been led to believe. And you can grow replacements. I mean, there's never a mention that if peat is air-dried, it's very light in weight. It can be compressed two and a half times to one so that when it comes to transporting it, it takes up much less room and is lighter and, of course, takes less polythene to wrap around it than all of the other materials, quite apart from peat being uh, quite a remarkable uh, material when it comes to air and moisture holding uh, and uh, the holding of all of the plant nutrients. It is a very... uh, antiseptic material in the First World War. They even used it as a wound dressing. And it does have qualities that no other material that we use in uh, composts have. When the summer before last we had eight square miles of uh, peat bog burning in the northwest of England, uh, there was no thought about the loss of that, apparently. And yet if uh, a bit more of it had been dug and in bags... Uh, and used to grow plants and then put back into the soil, it would have held a lot more carbon rather than all that smoke that went up into the air. 
so often with these uh, environmental subjects, there are two sides to the story. Um, we don't hear the other side before we make a decision. And I think it's time that we took a more balanced view uh, and just uh, gently moved in that direction. What's on? Well, the Festival of Snowdrops at East Lambrook Manor at Petherton in Somerset starts for a month. Season's quite early, so it might be worth going earlier rather than later. And this uh, is not the only one. There are lots of gardens open with uh, great seas of snowdrops. So just keep an eye on the local press or have a look at the NGS website and uh, you should be able to find a good visit in your part of the country. Now, my interviewee today is a long-standing, I would like to think, friend, acquaintance, and, of course, very knowledgeable fellow in the horticultural trade. He's Richard Massey. Now, Richard, we will have met, first of all, uh, in Wisbeach when you were working with a company called Marshalls. Is my memory correct? I think that that's true, Peter, yes. Um, back in the 90s, I would think that would be when we first... Uh, when we first came across each other, um, and uh, we had uh, at Marshalls, we had a very friendly uh, association. I'd like to think with yourself, and of course your column on the Sun newspaper. Well, I used to look to you as a source of information on potatoes. Um, I mean, somehow you just seem to know all about potatoes, um, and particularly a variety called kestrel. Uh, well, kestrel, of course, a, a lovely variety, uh, um, and uh, bred by a gentleman called Jack Dunnett, uh, Dr. Jack Dunnett, I believe, uh, a Scotsman, uh, who had a number of other quite garden-worthy, garden-famous varieties to his name. Swift comes across as... Uh, a variety that Jack bred that is still around today, uh, Osprey, and varieties like Stemster and Stroma, and a good few more. That Swift is appropriately named. It really is very early, isn't it? Uh, an even earlier variety than Rocket, I think we used to say. Uh, probably eight weeks in fair conditions from sowing to harvest, and even faster if you got it under a little bit of protection. So uh, very little very little foliage. Uh, blight was never a problem because it was always out of the ground and away before uh, that became any sort of issue at all. And, and did you actually meet Jack then? I I did. I had I had the great fortune to meet Jack one day. We uh, he bred his potatoes um, way up north, um, almost uh, as far as John O'Groats. Certainly, as, as far as the trees disappeared, and, and of course, they like to get up to those northern climbs because there are no aphid, and so the potato breeder who scourges aphid and virus that's transmitted, uh, they're completely free of aphid in those northern climbs. Anyway, a colleague of mine um, from the potato trade, uh, Peter King Scott, who's sadly no no longer with us. Peter and I drove up to uh, Jack's um, house, which was a little uh, converted croft uh, way up north, about three miles from John O'Groats, 
and uh, he had some greenhouses uh, in the field beside. And uh, I even remember when we were up there that Jack took us round to the side of the house, down to the rocky coast, which was literally, literally at his front door, and showed us a, a mother seal uh, nursing her pup. So you can tell what part of the world uh, <laughs> uh, seed potatoes were bred in. And he got a little greenhouse where he was doing his hybridization. And uh, we, had a, we had a very interesting... Uh, a very interesting day up there. It's amazing, isn't it, how these single-minded people can work away in isolation and sometimes in very remote places, introduce cultivars which really are grown right across Britain. Yeah, just amazing. And of course, he was working on varieties to satisfy export markets as well. So uh, Jack was definitely a scientist and, and a very much a commercially-minded man as well and one of the founders of a, an organisation called Caithness Potatoes, uh, who in those days were very well known in the commercial world. Well, now, can we go back um, a bit in your lifetime? How did you start in this business then? Because you'd been in it for a few years when you and I met. Yes, well, I, I'd been in and out of it, but uh, horticulture and, and the seed trade uh, is in my blood, really, and uh, I, I think... Um, we had a family business, George Massey and Sons Limited. George Massey was my great-grandfather, and the business then went through my uh, grandfather, Leonard Massey, and to my father, Nora Massey. Unfortunately, while I was still at school, the business closed because Dad wanted to retire, really, and he didn't think that, that it was a suitable business for his sons to be in, or at least he didn't want us in. I think it really was a case of he didn't want us to have the worries that he'd had uh, trying to keep the business going. Uh, the re retail world was difficult even then. Uh, but going back to my great-grandfather, George Massey, there's an interesting story to tell there. Uh, I think you, you and I may many years ago have talked about it, but uh, George Massey was involved in what was in the very early days of the 20th century, known as the, the British potato boom. And it was a little bit like tulip mania in Holland, where some varieties of potatoes, nearly bred varieties, were extremely sought after. And, uh, and George Massey came into contact with a guy called Archibald Finlay, who was breeding potatoes in Scotland, uh, who ultimately ended up breeding a variety called Majestic that everybody uh, who's grown potatoes in the garden, I think, will have heard of. Anyway, he bred Majestic, but uh, he also bred a variety called the Eldorado. And uh, he'd achieved fame and notoriety as a breeder even then. And breeders in those days couldn't collect royalties, so they, uh, they limited the outturn of their early stock to make it very valuable. And uh, the Eldorado was a variety that nobody could get hold of and wanted to. My grand great-grandfather managed to. He bought a pound of the Eldorado for a guinea. And uh, he was one of only about three people that managed to get hold of the seed. And a year later, 10 tubers were sold for £100. One 10-ounce potato sold for £49. Uh, a 4-ounce tuber sold for £30. Uh, this is in 1904. You're talking about uh, the cost of a house and a fair old parcel of land for those sorts of uh, 
Anyway, George Massey uh, bought a farm uh, on the outturn of the Eldorado potato. He was out of it, and about two years later, the variety broke down and was never really heard of again. But uh, that's an interesting story, I think. <laughs> it's amazing. I hadn't heard that before, and I certainly didn't know that Archibald Finlay had bred Majestic, you know, because no, Majestic was still No, I didn't know there. that, Peter, until I did a, a bit of research uh, the other day. But I seem to remember that one of your uh, forebears actually knew uh, Alan Bloom. My grandfather, Leonard Massey, was the head of the family firm subsequently. And uh, Len and Alan Bloom shared a love of skating. In fact, I have a book upstairs that I found after we spoke the other morning, Peter. I found Alan Bloom's book, The Skaters of the Fens. and my grandfather was a big skater. They were speed skaters, so they, they used to look for stretches of ice where they could uh, build a circuit or, or have a, a long race. And, uh, of course, the fens are absolutely perfect for that because they used to flood fenland and they acres and acres of ice. Times have changed. <laughs> yeah, yes, I mean... Um... Because Alan's son, uh, Adrian Bloom, he, he was, uh, or, sorry, still is, um, a speed skater. But, of course, there's not many winters now when it's cold enough to get those stretches of ice. In the back of Alan's book, um, there's a list of the winners of the uh, National Championships and the Fenland Championships and the Lincolnshire Championships going back. And, of course, it wasn't, wasn't held every year because there wasn't ice every year, but I did find reference to the Lincolnshire Championships being held one year on December the 18th. Goodness. Um, <laughs> that must have been cold then. It must have been a cold December. Yeah. Uh, uh, and of course, we haven't. Uh, uh, there's a there's a small area of Fenland about two miles from where I live that uh, used to hold the Lincolnshire ch- Championships. Uh, I remember going on that ice, but I don't think there's been skatable ice there for 15 years now. Amazing. But to go back to your horticultural experiences, uh, when did you start? with um, Marshalls, or how did you get involved in working with that company? Well, I I went to college and then ended up, uh, I I worked for what was the Agricultural Development Advisory Service for a year or two in a lab, Uh, and then uh, Palamine enticed me into the cereal trade, so I spent a bit of time there. Um, Times became difficult, and in 1989, I, I saw an advert for a job at SE Marshall & Co. Limited and wrote them a long letter and ended up with a job. Uh, I was uh, deputy manager in those guys, uh, in those days, to a guy called John Kierman. Old customers of Marshall's will uh, have known of John and seen his face smiling out of a Marshall's catalogue. And uh, when John retired, it was my face smiling out of the catalogue <laughs> for a year or two as well. Yeah. But you found some really good things uh, to go in that catalogue. I, I seem to remember a, a rather nice strawberry that had a pretty good flavour to it. Yes, we uh, a colleague of mine, David Curley, um, who's a renowned plump breeder in his own right now, uh, we were responsible for finding new varieties. David was my boss, and we ended up on a on a strawberry trial out on the uh, Cambridgeshire Norfolk border 
with free reign over about 50 new varieties to find one that we thought would be uh, well suited to Marshall's customers. Uh, it's not a bad life, Peter, sometimes <laughs> when you're tasting strawberries to see which one's the best. And the variety we chose that day became known as Marshmallow. And uh, I think it's still about today. Uh, uh, without question, it's still about. And I seem to remember several of your competitors being pretty cross that they couldn't lay hands on it because uh, you had it as an exclusive for a number of years, I believe. We did, yes, we did. Um, and I'd like to think that uh, the people that tried it uh, really enjoyed the strawberry that we found that day. Th then what happened? The, the company was sold, wasn't it, uh your original Marshalls of Wisbeach? It was. I was there for 15 years. Um, we had a lot of fun. I, I travelled all over Europe um, and uh, found some really interesting things along the way, but all good things have got to come to an end. And uh, the, the Marshalls business was family-owned, uh, and the family decided that they wanted to... Uh, quit and retire and uh, everybody moved on and uh, and so I went on to pastures new um, in 2004-2005. Uh, ended up working with sweet peas for, for several years and uh, you and I had one or two happy associations in the sweet pea world as well. Well yes, help for heroes. What? Help for heroes, certainly. <laughs> uh, yeah. And, and uh, I fondly remember meeting uh, Prince Charles and, and Camilla uh, as uh, in connection with that uh, initiative. There we are, name dropping again. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you might be interested to hear that I planted a few sweet peas uh, last s Sunday week. Uh, Weather was quite reasonable. I hadn't sown all of mine direct in the way that I like to in October, uh, and, and they were nicely broken. Had the tips pinched out you know I thought the weather was right so out they went and they're under cloches now I just hope the mice and slugs don't find them well my, mice and slugs are the issue but uh, January planting in good weather you, you may uh, may have to hope that they don't grow away too quickly if the weather stays as mild as it is although it has turned a little bit now hasn't it well I need I need to pick a few flowers that third week in May, Chelsea week. That's when I like to pick the first sweet peas. So if they do race ahead, that will suit me fine. <laughs> but, but then, Richard, you've moved on to other things now. I'm, I'm now with a company called You Garden, um, who are a mail-order company uh, with website and uh, interest in TV gardening. Um, I'm semi-retired now. I'm, I'm I, I can't think why. I mean, here, here's me working away like a slave, and, and you've got your feet up, eh? Hey? Um, I've plans to ride my bike for 6,000 miles this year, Peter, and do a bit of work along the way as well. So well, uh, That won't keep you as fit as digging the allotment. <laughs> I've still got an allotment, um, a small allotment. Uh, it's uh, not very far from the house. I can wheel the rotavator down there. And, oh, uh, no, no, no. You can't. You've got to use a spade, you know. You can't. <laughs> what? I'll tell you, you rugby players, you're no good at all. What? <laughs> no, but now, Richard, I have to speak a little bit about uh, television shopping, you know, QVC and uh, 
ideal. Uh, you would never have dreamed of that, would you, when you started with Marshalls? I would never have dreamed of it, um, although I was still with Marshalls when we had the first little dabble in TV shopping. Uh, so it's it's been around that long. Uh, it's different. Um, it's very much promotion-led, and uh, but at the same time, it does command a very devoted audience um, on a weekend morning, and uh, we shouldn't lose sight of just how much gardening business is done through that sort of medium these days. Well, I, you know, I think it's amazing. And in some ways, I see the presenters standing behind the benches uh, on Ideal as like the old-fashioned market trader. You know, they they have so much enthusiasm for the product. You sit there watching. I mean, you just got to get your wallet out, haven't you? You've got to get your wallet out, but there's nothing like having somebody... Uh, sell it to you almost face-to-face, because it is almost face-to-face, isn't it? Yeah. and you, It's live television, and uh, it's uh, face-to-face selling just like a market store. And you get a lot of really good new plants, don't you, and some great deals. So, some very great deals. Uh, people have not only got an eye for the, a bargain, but people are always looking for something new, aren't they? Yeah, and there's, yeah there is usually something new out there to find and offer them. Well, today you can't see it, but in my buttonhole, I've got one of those straw flowers, uh, uh, Granvia Gold. Uh, we're going to launch that at Chelsea, and I hope uh, shortly in Germany I might see a, a, a pink form from uh, Japan. I don't know how long it is, Richard, before you're going to have that on Ideal Television, but uh, it's a very interesting flower because... If a drop of water goes into the centre, all the petals close. And then as it dries, they open again. I hope we'll have some fun with the kids at school, but it looks like a wonder for television selling. Well, I I can tell you that if that is there and it's available, we will do our very best to uh, bring it to ideal world customers. (laughs) Richard, it's really great to speak to you. Uh, I'm particularly interested to hear about Jack Dunnett, you know, and even earlier, Archibald Finlay. You know, these fellows who gave us really good uh, garden plants, they need to be remembered. Uh, So thank you for, you know, telling us a bit about them. One last thing before we go, Richard. You've you've been uh, in the potato business for a long time. One or two tips for gardeners who are listening uh, and may go out into the garden centre shortly to uh, get one or two to grow in pots, perhaps. Your your top tips on growing potatoes? Well, I would say don't be worried about planting too early because the later you plant, the better the potato plant will thrive. Even Even as late as early May for an early variety, you will probably not be lifting much later than if you try to plant a month or six weeks before because potatoes like warm, kind soil, as we call it, um, it's always best to grow early varieties, I think, because that's when you really find the difference. Uh, there are very few people apart from gardeners that have grown their own that have been able to taste the true sweetness of a a new potato straight from the ground. 
whereas later on, later varieties, you can quite easily buy them from the shops and the difference is less marked. So I would say plant them into good soil. Don't worry if you have to delay a little bit, grow an early variety and above all, go for varieties that taste good. And Kestrel could well fit that bill. Kestrel could easily fit that bill. And it's a lovely show potato as well for anybody that's interested in the local garden show. Thanks, Richard. Look forward to speaking to you again fairly soon. Thank you, Peter. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. What's new this week? Well, it's very good news in terms of the garden centre business. You know, while we hear terrible stories of what's happening to retailers on the high street, garden centres have had their best year for all-round total sales for all time. I mean, the potting compost sales are up 6%. Vegetable to grow is uh, way up. Uh, Tomatoes are number five in the top plants sold. And zonal geraniums are number one. Uh, all really good news as far as I could see, looking back at the last 12 months of the garden trade. Actually, if you check your garden, the mild weather too has helped a lot. I've got yellow on the winter aconites and snowdrops, of course, white and showing flower. Uh, I just hope that our late planting bulbs at uh, Hyde Hall uh, are going to have time to make root I think the soil's warm enough for them to do that. I mean, we didn't finish planting the last of the tulips until the 9th of January, so I just have my fingers crossed in that respect. At the bedding plant uh, conference in Peterborough, uh, I was very interested to hear Brian Whipker from the States uh, talking about his trials with phosphate fertiliser. He recommended that... uh, if we're growing plants in pots and indoors, that the formula should be 15 to 15. That's 15 parts nitrogen, 2 parts phosphorus and 15 parts potash. And he showed, picture by picture, what happened when you increase the quantity of phosphates. If you have just 5 parts per million of phosphate, it will make the plants more compact. Uh, He also said that very low phosphates could improve the leaf colour. So if you were growing the zonal leaf geranium bullseye, for example, you just give it less phosphate and that lovely dark chocolate ring comes much stronger. 
the detail that's now available to us on uh, growing plants to uh, the quality we want is just getting more and more refined. Now, when it comes to the advice this week in the garden, then I think we can uh, really step up the hardy vegetable sowing. uh, Crops like cabbage, calabrese, lettuce, carrots, spinach, peas, they can uh, all be sown ideally in a bit of warmth indoors. And once they get growing, if you choose a mild night or two to move them out, they will just stiffen up, what we call harden them off, uh, and then they'll keep growing. It's worth just occasionally just going through what is the best way to sow seeds. You do need a seed and cuttings compost, first of all. Uh, And if it's one of the soilless kinds, which is what I'd recommend, then if it's moist enough, when you squeeze a handful really tightly, you'll see some moisture ooze between your fingers. Then you'll know that's damp enough. Just loosen it up. Fill the container, whether that's a pot, a pan or a tray. Tap it and strike it off level. And then lightly firm, if that makes any sense to you. You just need something, the right shape, to just push the compost down about a quarter of an inch or so. Scatter the seed over the surface as thinly and as evenly as you can. And then cover that again with either vermiculite or some more of the fine seed compost. It then needs to go into the warm somewhere and dark, but of course covered with polythene or something which will hold the moisture in. But once you've sown them, have a look each day. Some things like cucumber will be starting to grow in three days, whereas others like um, peppers and aubergines will probably take two or three weeks. And if it's very fine seed with a tiny little shoot, then hold the compost up to eye level and look across the surface because you can much more easily see the shoots coming through if you look across the surface at eye level. And of course, once you do see that first sign of growth, then in the daytime, the pots or pans of seedlings need to be on the lightest possible place, you know, on a windowsill really close to the glass. Uh, If you've got double glazing, which of course reduces the amount of light passing through, then putting a bit of foil at the back of the pot will reflect a bit of light back and will help to keep the seedlings just that bit sturdier. My tailpiece this week uh, really is a memory prompted by Monty Don's programmes from America. He's busy on BBC Two visiting a a lot of American gardens. And on the first programme, he went to Longwood Gardens, uh, just outside Philadelphia. Uh, He had some really magnificent pictures of the fountains. They have lots and lots of fountains and you can apparently play uh, a keyboard and these fountains all sort of dance. Uh, Some of them, you know, 20, 30 feet into the air and if you go at night, they can be lit. But the main thing is the horticulture at uh, Longwood. They have some enormous conservatories. But the one thing Monty didn't mention was the organ. I went there 
1 March. Clear blue sky, really frosty and cold. And the curator took me up onto the roof of the big conservatory. And as we were there looking out over the acres of gardens, suddenly the organ began to play. I mean, the whole sort of place shook and the hairs went up on the back of my neck. I can tell you, listening to Bach's organ music uh, is a memory and an experience I'll never forget. My thanks to Sutton's of Torquay, sponsors of this podcast, and of course to my producer, Rich Jarman. Thanks for listening. We'll be back with you again next week. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.